And you know, I'm not going to lie, those of you young people out there that do not know what Memorial Day is about, I know we've kind of turned it into uh, a time of remembering everyone and don't, you know, leave here saying, I'm not saying don't remember, remember all those that went before you, but Memorial Day truly is about those who died for us to give us the freedom to wear a tie that says, in God we trust. Our money says, in God we trust. We sing songs about God bless America. The reason we're able to do that is because we had young men and women, especially now, that have died and bled for this country. And I'm not going to lie, I get a little bit uh, choked up um, when we start seeing the, uh, the, the videos and the things I think about and the people that went before me. I would, uh, I would fight to the death for this country because it is the greatest country on the face of this earth. Amen. It, uh, it, this is a country that no one else can say that they live in like we do. And, and um, I know that there are so many people that believed in God and served believing in this country. And church, I'm going to tell you before I say a prayer, all the things that are going on in this world out there today and all the problems that we see think we have they are all problems I don't want to uh, I don't want to wash any of them under the rug but quite frankly church we have a people problem we have a lack of God problem in our country today all the problems that I'm going to talk about today they're all problems in and of themselves but they're not the cause of the problem they're not the root of the problem Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray that your presence is here with us today, Lord, and I pray that you would use me as a vessel to get the word out as you intend for it to be, Lord. Lord, I pray for your spirit to be here today. I pray a hedge about this church, Lord God. I pray that, uh, uh, I pray, I pray your shed blood of Jesus Christ over every doorpost, over every window, Lord God. I pray that you would use me as a vessel to get the word out as you see fit, Lord God. Lord, I thank you for the worship service that we've had, and I thank you for everything that's went on so far, Lord. And I just praise you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I'm going to stand before you today, and I want to talk about some things. You know, I'll just be quite honest with you. This has been going on. Uh, the good Lord has been laying this on my heart for quite some time, all the way back from when the, uh, the last church shooting we had in Texas. And I've really been bothered by some things. And to be honest with you, uh, I would like to sit up here and say that I, that I hope and pray that nothing that is said up here today will offend you, but quite frankly, I hope that we're all a little bit offended because as I've been putting these together, the good Lord has been stepping on my toes and directing me to go out and do some things that quite frankly, I'm just not as all that comfortable as I should be about doing the things that God wants me to do. But I look at the world that we live in and I look at the things that are going on and just to be honest with you, I'm sick and tired of people getting on Facebook and standing up on the news and when the next shooting comes along, and when I say the next shooting, there will be another shooting in this country. Whether we like it or not, it's coming, whether it's in church, whether it's in school, whether it's cops losing their lives, whatever the case may be. But we have all these people who stand up on their high horses, get up on their soapboxes and say, man, it's time for change. It's time for some new ordinances. It's time for some gun laws. It's time for this and it's time for that. But I'm here to tell you, church, that the only ordinances that need to be made have already been made and they're literally lit, written in, the, in, the, in stone and they're called the Ten Commandments, church. We do not need all the other ordinances that people want out there. We do not need new gun laws. We do not need new laws for this and for that. 
God has already given them for us, and they're etched out in stone already for each and every one of us. But we say there must be change, there must be that, there must be this. Church, yes, there needs to be a change. And we've got problems in this country. People say we've got a gun problem, we've got a drug and alcohol problem, we've got depression problems, we've got an abortion problem, we've got a lack of respect problem, we've got a divorce problem, we've got all kinds of problems. People have anger problems. All those things in and of themselves are problems, but they're not the root of the problem. The root of the problem is a people problem and a lack of God in this country problem. We have a lack of God in this country any longer. All weekend long, I've heard people rise up and sing, God bless America. How do we expect God to bless America when we are doing everything that He says will bring punishment and judgment unto this country? Everything that He tells us not to do or this will happen, we are doing it. But yet we sing up and we say, God bless America. God will not bless America again until America begins to honor God and put God back in their lives again. We come up and we say we want God to do this or to do that for us. And God says, I would love to do that for you as soon as you start to do the commandments that I've given you. First and foremost, to love me with all your heart, soul, and mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. He said, these are the two greatest commandments to hang your hat upon. He said, all the prophecy and the law, I like to say hang your hat. Church, I'm going to tell you the things that are going on in this world, many of these things we cannot and will not stop because the Bible says these things are going to happen. But until the church people of today get God back in their lives like God needs to be in their lives, until this country gets God back in their lives, we've taken God out of everything. And if you don't pay attention to the news, they're really trying to make movements to take God off of our money. In God we trust is written on our money, and they are trying to take that off of there. They're going to try to put a chip in your brain. They're going to try to do everything. Church, I'm here to tell you that until we put God back in this country, God will never bless this country again like, it, like He says He will. He says, I'm there for you, but you must first do what I want you to do. Psalms 33, 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom He hath chosen for His own inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom He hath chosen for His own inheritance. Church, I'm here to tell you today we live in a country whose God has become many other things than the Lord Himself. I live in a country where sports have become a God. I live in a country where money has become a God. I live in a country where people's schools they go to become a God to them. I live in a country where people's vehicles become a God to them. I live in a country where everything is God to them except the Lord Jesus Christ who is supposed to be our one and only true God. Everything but God has become a God to everyone in this country. And we wonder why our country is so messed up. We wonder why all these shootings are going on in our schools. We wonder why cops are being assassinated. Quite frankly, they're being assassinated, church. We wonder why all these things are happening. First, we've got to look at the fact and just know that we are taking God out of this country. Not only are the liberals taking God out of this country, Christian people themselves, you and I, are taking God out of our country, taking God out of our churches. We want God to work when we want God to work, not when God wants to work. We're turning, God, we're turning everything 
into a God except God Himself. Church, I'm here to tell you that Christian people do not have God in their lives like God needs to be in your life. I'm here to tell you I don't have God in my life the way I need to have God in my life. But God is leaving the churches because the churches are leaving God. You know the old, uh, the old uh, joke where the, the, the gentleman and the, and the lady are riding down the road together and they're, you know, when you first get married or you first start courting, you know, you're sitting right side by side and as years go on and the lady moves further and further and further away and before too long she's sitting over next to the window and she said, you remember the times when we used to be so close and I used to sit right next to you? And the, the man looks at her and says, I'm not the one that moved, you are. In church, I really believe that's the way that God's looking at us today. There was a point in time when the churches themselves were right next to God. We wanted nothing but God. We wanted God to be everything in our lives. But as time has went on, we've moved further and further and further and further away from God. And as Brother Kerry said in Sunday school this morning, we've heard uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 quite a few times in our lives. And if you didn't like hearing it this morning, you're not going to like hearing it now because we're living in a country that's looking for... Th- we're looking for preachers and pastors to stand up there and instead of condemn us about things instead of stepping on our toes and I don't want to use the word condemn I guess that's not the word I'm, I'm looking for but to, uh, to get us a little uh, itchy in our skin about things we want them to tell us the things that we want to hear instead of stepping on our toes a little bit which should get us back on the right path we'll just go to another church if Pastor Dennis don't say what we want him to say and then if Brother David Lovins don't say what, he, what you want him to say, you'll go on to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, until you find someone who will say what you want them to say. And we wonder why God is not moving in the churches today. Can I be honest with you? The first two, probably the first two years of Sarah and I's marriage, <laughs> we would fight from the time we left the house until the time we got to church. When we got to church... I'd be like, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And Sarah said, you're worse than I was, though, because she said, I was still mad when we entered in those doors. We'd be fighting and fuming all the way here. But boy, when we hit them doors, the lights come on. I ask, I ask all of you, how many of you on Sundays, the light is on like it is now, but at 12 o'clock, your light's going to go out, and this is the way you're going to live your life again until maybe Wednesday morning if you're lo- or Wednesday evening if you're lucky. But then come Sunday morning again, the pastor says, everyone stand towards the Lord. Praise the Lord, pastor. Let my light come on and let it shine. I want God in my life. I want God to do all these things. But you better get me out of here before noon because I'm getting a little hungry and my light's fixing to go off. How many of you out there live your life like that? And on again, off again, Christian. Your light's on for the two hours we're here. And to be quite frankly, to be honest with you, a lot of times it's barely two hours. But boy, the minute that sucker hits 12 and the pastors cut us loose, the light goes off and we're going to serve our, our, the rest of our week how we want to serve it, not how God wants us to serve it. God has to be the centerpiece of our lives, church. Each and every aspect of it, our lives need to rotate around God, not God rotate around our lives. Period. Church, I'm here to tell you I am so thankful, to be honest with you, that we're getting a new church, one where it doesn't get so hot up here on this end, one that maybe the the mics and everything will work, and all that's big and fancy and great and awesome, and we'll be able to hold more more people in that. But I'm here to tell you, if God's not in that, if the light's going to go off at noon in everybody's life that calls that place their church home, then God help us, we might as well shut the doors and not even open it. Church, I'm here to tell you, God's got to 
be the center point of our lives. Not us trying to figure out where to put God in our lives when it's convenient for us. Then maybe things will start to change for each and every one of us. Then maybe our nation will turn around. There's things that's just going to happen that we cannot stop. But I'm here to tell you, you look up the statistics, on average there will be 150,000 people die today. And the majority of those people are splitting the gates of hell wide open. I didn't say that. God said it Matthew uh, 7, chapter 13 and 4. Chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. He said, Many there will be in to enter in at that wide gate that leadeth unto destruction. So the 150,000 people on average that will die today will not spend eternity in heaven while we're all sitting in here in an air-conditioned building getting our noses pampered and letting people tell us what we want to hear. But yet when we leave outside there, we'll never mention the Word of God to anybody all week long, but we'll come in here expecting blessings from God on Sunday morning for the two hours we're here. Church, I'm here to tell you, things have to change in our lives. God has got to become a focal point in our lives. As Christian people, if He's not a focal point in our lives, how do we expect Him to be a focal point in anyone else's lives? And I'm here to tell you up here, I'm preaching to the choir. God's working on me, wanting me to do some things that I'm just not comfortable doing. But I'm sure going to try my best to get them accomplished. Because I don't want the blood of those people on my head. I don't want my light to go out at noon. I want to serve God like I've never served Him before, church. I want to tell people about Jesus Christ. Jesus, 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 until the day I die, should be each and every one of our mottos. We should not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, like it says in Romans 1.16. We should tell people, Jesus, 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 until the day each and every one of us take our last breath and quit being worried about what people might think of us or whether they'll get mad at us because we talk too much Jesus to them. I would rather them get mad at me on this earth and meet me at the pearly gates than I would for, for them to get to, to like me and spend the eternity in hell. Church, I'm here to tell you today the Christian people need to step up. This country needs to step up instead of just climbing up on our soapboxes and screaming about the injustices of the world. We need to start figuring out what the root of the problem is. My wife's been dealing with headaches and migraines for a year and a half now, and all they want to do is put her on another pill, put her on another pill, put her on another pill. Finally, you get the dosage high enough, and it'll probably kill anything because it'll kill a horse as much dosage as they want to put you on. But that's not fixing the problem, church. We can build new churches. We can create new sound systems. We can have all the, 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 the programs in the world for people. But if we're not fixing the root of the problem, which is not enough God in our country and in our churches, then that's just a band-aid that the blood will eventually seep through because it's not a fix. It's just a band-aid to cure the problem at the moment. Church, how many of you want to see your loved ones go to heaven? How many? How many of you have people that will spend eternity in hell today if they're one of those 150,000 people? I do, and I do not want to see that. While I'm sitting in here being comfortable, they're out there doomed to hell if someone doesn't tell them about God. Church, it's our duties to do that. We say, God bless America. How do we expect God to bless America when we are doing everything that He says will bring punishment and judgment? 
1962, public prayer was removed from the school in a case called Engel and Vitale. 1973, abortion was legalized in Roe v. Wade. 1980, the Ten Commandments were removed from the public schools. 1933, alcohol was made legal again. You know, I didn't realize this until I looked it up. Alcohol was made legal again at 3.2%. Do you realize now you can buy alcohol that is 100 proof? It's 100% proof. Church, I'm here to tell you everything that God has told us not to do, we have done. 2012, the first state legalized recreational marijuana. And you know, some of those states, I read a little story on them. Colorado was the first one to do that. Guess what? You know, I can't believe they didn't see it coming, but their homelessness has been on the rise. They've got people moving into Colorado just to move in and smoke dope. They're actually absolutely no, no, they, they absolutely are doing nothing for the community, the state of Colorado. Surprise! You didn't see that coming? 2003, Massachusetts was the first state to legalize gay marriage. We have churches, and I'm not picking on being gay. I'm not picking on homosexuality. It's no different than any other sin. But when you have churches that condone homosexual pastors getting up behind their pulpit to preach you the word of God that says it is wrong, then we have a problem in the church world today. Church, I'm not picking on it. It's just, it's just a sin like any other sin. So I'm sure I can say the same thing. There are probably pastors out there who, quite frankly, are drunks, if you know the truth about it. But yet when the light comes on on Sunday, the light is on. Church, we can't condone those kind of things. I talked to a pastor not that long ago that told me he stood, and, and, and I'm not. this isn't what this is about today, but I'm going to tell you this is a problem. I talked to a pastor that stood in front of his congregation and told them it was a sin to read any other Bible than the King James Version Bible. And I'm here to tell you, even though I'm preaching out of the King James Version Bible and that's what I grew up on, that is not the 11th commandment. Nowhere in here does it say it is a sin if you do not read the King James Version Bible. And we've got pastors who are telling their congregations that. And we wonder why God is not blessing America anymore. I love the King James Version Bible, but I also know that there's other versions out there that are pretty good too. I read from the HCSB this morning while Brother Gary was teaching this morning. It's time for us to get back to the truth. It's time for us to get back to the love of God. It's time for us to get back to the basics, to that cross. That's where healing is going to take place, is at the cross, church. 49 to 51% of a marriage is whether you're Christian or non-Christian or ending in divorce. 64% of Christian men watch porn at least once a month. And 65% of non-Christian men. Does anyone see a problem with that? Or is it just me? The Christian people are doing the same thing as the worldly people are doing. Maybe it's off by a percentage or two, but I'm here to tell you my Bible says that we're supposed to be different, a new creature when we get up from that altar or wherever you make it right with God. We are to be a new creature and not partake in the things that we once partake in. 
You cannot accept Jesus Christ into your life and get up and go back to listening to the same kind of music you used to listen to. You cannot go back visiting the same old bars that I used to visit to unless I'm going in there to preach Jesus, Jesus, Jesus until the day I die. You cannot go on doing the same things that you've always done when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and expect change in your life. America cannot go on doing the things that they're doing without asking God back into America and expect anything different than what we're getting right now, church. It's time for us to step up and be different than the world. These statistics show that we're basically the same as the world. Why do they need a spiritual dose of what they can get out there? Why should they come in here and serve God? Why should they come in these four walls that we call a sanctuary today and serve the God that we're trying to tell them about when they're going to get the same dose of what they're already getting out there in many cases? Church, if you can't tell, I'm a little fired up about this. Is anyone, does this not bother anyone else? about where we're at in society today? It bothers me, church, that 5 billion people on average, there's 7 billion people in this world. 2 billion of them claim to be Christians. But I'll bet you 1 billion of those people's lights go off at noon and don't ever come back on until the next noon. So 5 to 6 billion people will spend eternity in hell if Jesus Christ comes back today. Does that not bother anyone else? Quite frankly, that scares me to death. I don't want to have to stand before God and Him say, why didn't you do that? I'll give you an instance that God is dealing with me right now. There's a young lady over at Casey's that God has been dealing with me for probably six months now to invite her to church and ask her if she would like to receive my thought for the week that I send out. And I am just as chicken as all get out. I begin to shake every time it starts to come out. And I said, God, if you, if you will provide the perfect opportunity, I'll do it. Saturday, perfect opportunity. Nobody in the store but me and her. And I chickened out again. I'm sad to say that I chickened out. Because I don't want her to think I'm a weirdo. I want her to think I'm one of those Jesus freaks. I am one of those Jesus freaks. You may not like the term Jesus freak. I don't care. But Jesus, 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 until the day I die, I want the courage to be able to stand up and say, would you like to come to church on Sunday? God's telling me that I need to invite you to church and don't care how full the place is. But I chickened out. I don't want that in my life. I want to tell people the truth about Jesus Christ. I want to tell people the truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to tell people the truth about that cross and what He can do for you. Eleven years ago, I was down and out. I was a drunk. But God picked me up and set me on firm ground, pulled me up out of that miry clay and changed who I was to where I am not that same person I was eleven years ago. Thank God for that. Amen. And I want to be able to tell people about that Amen. and not be ashamed about that. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, 
without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Everything that is good now has become wrong. That's what they're telling everybody on the news. If, if you serve what used to be right is wrong, and what's wrong is right now in the world that we live in today. It shouldn't surprise any of us that these things are happening because it says right here in the Bible that it's going to. Verse 4 says, Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. My HCSB says, Avoid those people. (laughs) Stay away from those people. Church, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of... We have a form of godliness. The church we are in today has a form of godliness. But we're denying the power of God. And we sit here and we want to say, we want to see a revival. We want to see the altars full. We want to see the floodgates open. But church, that's not going to happen until you and I as Christian people and this world and you know, puts God back as the focal point of their lives. It will not happen no matter how much we jump up and down and shout and stomp and carry on. It's not going to happen until God becomes the focal part of our lives again, church. Chapter 4, verse 1 through 5 says, I charge ye therefore, 2 Timothy also, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap up to themselves uh, teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in, unto, watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Church, I'm here to tell you each and every one of us has a duty to be an evangelist for Jesus Christ. Maybe we won't all be preaching to tens of thousands of people, but each and every one of us has the duty to go out and be an evangelist for Jesus Christ to your neighbor, to your co-worker, to your loved one, whoever it may be, to tell them that they need Jesus in their life. They need to get ready, as my granny used to say. Are you ready, she'd say. Church, you better get ready because Jesus is coming back. Whether you like it or not, Jesus is going to split the eastern clouds wide open. And will you be part of those that get to go up with Him or will you be part of the 5 billion people that will spend eternity in hell? I can't even comprehend what 5 billion people are like. What that amount of people is. And why does it have to be that way, church? A lot of it is that way because you and I are failing as Christian people. The church is failing people today because we're not preaching Jesus, Jesus, Jesus until the day we die. We're going about being comfortable. We're shutting our lights off at noon. I saw a gentleman. I'm going to close down with this. Well, no, I'm not. I'm going to close it. I got this, and then I got this, and then I got this. But it's real close. My wife hates it when I... I say, he says, but I saw a gentleman walk out of Casey's the other day. And it's funny how God puts everything in, in front of us when we're putting together a lesson or a message. But this gentleman was wearing a shirt, Second Chronicles 7.14 was across the back of it. 
And I thought, cool shirt, love that, love that. Fixing to read it to you if you don't know what it is. Fixing to read it to you. I thought, that's cool. Amen, brother. But then I looked down, and he's walking out with two cases of beer. Now, I've had people ask me, Jeff, am I going to go to hell if I have a drink? I'm like, well, no, I'm not going to tell you you're going to hell if you're going to have a drink, but I'm going to tell you Jeff Conger can't go have a drink because it just doesn't operate that way for me. <laughs> it's just not, the way, just, not, just not the way I am. So I know that I can't, but I'm here to tell you, I'm not, I'm not, to me, it was the whole representation. God was trying to show me something. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and will heal their land. And when I saw that, that gentleman walking out, I thought, what a representation of the country we live in today. He's saying, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, and here's this guy walking out with a case of beer and going, you turn from your wicked ways, I'm going on about mine. You know, but God bless you, come to church on Sunday. Church, that was such a representation of the world we live in today. Case of beer under each shoulder and away we go. But you know, God bless you, come to church. Because if we'll turn from our wicked ways, God will heal you. I know people who have told me that, uh, don't get me wrong, the, opi the opioid epidemic that we have in this country where they're passing out Xanax like a Pez dispenser pass passes out Pez, man. You just, you go to the doctor, oh, Xanax. We're handing that stuff out like it's candy. That's a problem. It is a real problem. But I've had people tell me, well, you know, I smoke dope for my pain. That's no different than anyone else. I preach the Word of God to them. They're both problems. Whether you've got a prescription addiction or whether you've got an illicit drug addiction, it's a problem. But it's not your problem. Your problem is you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I sat in the hospital when my Uncle Gary was dying, and I sat there for an hour and a half talking to a young lady who was gay. Grew up in church. She, she knows. And I sat there and talked to her. The good Lord just told me to tell her. I looked at her and I said, being gay is not your problem. And instantly she started to cry. I said, what are you crying for? My problem is I'm a little blunt sometimes. I said, what are you crying for? She said, you're the only person that's ever told me that being gay is not my problem. Everyone tells me if I'll just quit being gay that everything will be okay. I said, it's not going to get okay until you get Jesus Christ as the center of your life and you get a relationship with him. I said, that's your problem. Being gay is just a symptom. <laughs> get a relationship with Jesus Christ then he could start to work on all those symptoms. I said, just being gay is not your problem. First Peter. I just read 2 Chronicles 7.14. But 1 Peter 2.24. I think they both go good together. It says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes 
ye were healed. His own self bare our sins and his own body on the tree. And by those stripes we are healed. By those stripes this country can be healed. By those stripes, church, you and your family and all their issues can be healed. By those stripes, healing begins at the cross. If America wants change, it starts at the foot of the cross. It starts there and it ends there. If we want change, we've got to get back at the foot of the cross, church. Each and every one of us. That's where the change is going to come from. Not by psychoanalyst therapists, not by uh, psych. I was going to say psycho's named Kevin. Uh, well, my friend has a uh, what does she have? A psychic named Kevin. Not a psycho. Maybe a little of both. You go into New York City and they have tarot card readers, palm readers, all over. People go to them, wanting them to tell them what their future is. Here's my bluntness problem. I can tell you what your future is, and it's not good. Unless you turn from your evil ways, your future is not good for you. But to be honest with you, the future for a lot of churches and a lot of Christian people are not good either. Because there's going to be a lot of Christian people that are standing there when that rapture comes, going, Lord, Lord, we testified, we prophesied in your name, we cast out devils, we did all this, and he's going to... Depart from me, you workers of inequity, because your lights shut off at noon. And you didn't carry them into the world. Matthew 5 and 13 says, Ye are the salt of the earth. I told you I was closing with that, but man, God just put that in my Matthew 5 and 13 says, The salt, we are the salt of the earth. And when the salt loses its savor, it's good for nothing. If we are not the light of the world, we are good for nothing. Absolutely nothing. Stand with me, if you will. I didn't even get to 